beautiful and amazing listeners out there, wherever you may be. <laughs> I'm Amy Harry, and with me is my co-host, Sotonye Odubeni. You're listening to Reverse of Unicorns, the hub for tech enthusiasts. We are a virtual accelerator that supports innovative ideas and startups in underserved communities, setting them on a path to exponential growth. We are supported by the K. Wood Brown Foundation and powered by NetOps. Our discussion topic for today is COVID-19, Opportunities in the Chaos, Rethinking Agriculture. Joining us in this discussion are two special guests, so be sure to stay tuned for that. But first off, let's give you our news highlights for today. Over to you, Sotoye. Thank you. In the international scene, TikTok sues the U.S. government over its forthcoming ban. Locally, Nigeria's digital ID process turns into legal trouble. And from our cohort, the new innovation hub had its first open day on Tuesday, 25th of August 2020 in Port Harcourt. Finally, She in Tech will be hosting its first virtual pitch night on September 4th. So all you aspiring female tech founders out there and those who are interested in attending, visit the website www.sheintech.com slash virtual event to register. That's it for our news update. So I hope you all are having a splendid day. As I mentioned earlier, our discussion topic for today is COVID-19 opportunities in the chaos. Rethinking Agriculture. To join the conversation, you can visit our website, www.reverseofunicorns.com. I'll take that again. That's www.reverseofunicorns.com and through our Facebook page, Rivers of Unicorns. During this segment, we are joined by Aquila Calabo, who is the founder of Famsby Limited, a digital agro-investment platform that leverages the power of crowdfunding to generate capital for African farmers. We also have here Lawrence Tamunokiri, who is the CEO of Farmers Creed, an agri-tech company with automated solutions that helps take the guesswork out of agriculture. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's jump right in. Historically, the agricultural sector in Nigeria has benefited from the consistent influx of uh, produce from the north of the country, products such as grain, vegetables, and even livestock. However, following the closure of internal borders due to the COVID pandemic outbreak, Nigerian states have been confronted with food shortages, and they've had to adapt and look within for more sustainable food supply systems. What changes have you both seen in the agricultural sector since the beginning of the lockdown? I'll start with you, Lawrence. Um, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, so far, since the beginning of this lockdown, since after the lockdown, I would say, there's been the drive towards agriculture by the youth not just the youth, the youth and the elderly. From when the lockdown began up till this particular time, there's been constant calls for people looking at and starting the agricultural businesses or growing the agricultural businesses. That has been a constant over this period of time. 
Thank you. And Aquila, what changes have you seen since the lockdown? Um, I think I've seen I've seen a lot of um, a lot of changes with people's attitudes towards agriculture. Um, first off, um, even the the people who are non-farmers have begun to appreciate uh, the value of the value chains that were available pre-lockdown because you know there was there were kind of like a studio there was kind of a studio food shortage like there were price hikes and all that so people now begin to understand the um, the the relationship between the urban centers and the rural communities um they better they, they better understand how you know um how dependent we all are on agriculture so some of the look down that agriculture has has been getting over the period has been changed just by you know the the results or the the measures the government has to take up because of the pandemic thank you okay so um as we know like thinking about the tech industry in general it has revolutionized a lot of sectors the finance sector the health sector education and globally i believe that it's also revolutionizing the agricultural sector so what innovations have you seen on a global scale which you think can be applied to the niger delta and how readily do you think they can be implemented i would i would start by saying you know we had um recently immediately um the pandemic um immediately the lockdowns were beginning to be eased there was a um a, a palliative by the government to um, give farmers fertilizers and that was only uh, it, it was it only happened in north like in northern nigeria so we need to understand that um in nigeria there is um, an idea idea that you know only the that farming is a northern thing and the the houses or the, the northerners farm a lot um but that is really not true um a lot of southerners also farm uh, from southwest down to um even the south south and southeast there's a lot of um, agriculture going going on um agriculture is not a purely northern thing and um one of the things that needs to be point, pointed out is the the idea or the 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 type of agriculture that happens in the north is not the same type that would necessarily happen in the south because of of course um the weather uh, land tenure and all those other things so we, we we need to actually look more into technology we need to look at uh, how to increase yields instead of thinking about you know maybe like more um, using more space because of just the way the the topography is or the land the the land um Basically, the, the character of the land that we have in the in the south south, um, people need to look more into like technologies like aquaponics, hydroponics, um, um, using the natural uh, water reserves to feed uh, to to do aquaculture and 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 things around that vertical farming. Those are the kind of things you should be looking at um, um, down in the south. To increase uh, the value of, of 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 every square meter of land that we have that can be used for agriculture. Yeah. 
Um, on my own end, um, what we are looking at is the data side of agriculture. Because for me as a farmer, and um, also as a person that has used technology in agriculture, we've seen that data is key and data is everything. What you are doing now has been done before by someone, and the key to success is really to replicate what that person has successfully done, and that's to be easily done using data. So what we've done is we've tried to replicate the successes of farmers using data. So we're trying to understand what you've done, why you did it, and how you did it. Put it into simple daily tasks and try and replicate that same thing using data. That's basically been our process, and that's what we've been trying to do after the lockdown. We've actually gone deep into proper data analytics and data analysis when it comes to agriculture and seeing how that can actually improve agricultural production and increase, improve success in agriculture. Thank you. On the data aspect, right? So is there a specific um, innovative thing you've seen them do on a global scale where the application of data and AI is concerned in agriculture that you could implement? Yes, there is. Let's say um, using um, farmers' business network, for example, what they've done is they've used data in terms of for their, for their own business, they're looking at um, cropping, agriculture itself. So they've been able to understand the topography of different locations. They've been able to um, know the yields of particular seeds, know the yields of particular lands, and use that particular data to improve production for every other person. So generally, we've tried to replicate same, but using um, that technology for livestock. So the concept is, okay, if I have done this and I've been successful using this particular feed, getting this result over this period of time, you can actually replicate my own process to get the same success. And so today you've dispelled a few myths. So talking about farming being mainly in the north, you've said, well, southerners farm. You've talked about um, young people actually getting into farming. And, and that was my next question. We are seeing some entrepreneurial young people investing in farming. And for both of you, what are the opportunities that you see that are out there for such young people? And what do you see as the benefits for us as a country as young people go into farming? I'll start with you, Lawrence. Okay. Um, as young people, our advice going into the end of the value chain. Basically, focus on the market side of the value chain. That is usually um, not too expensive to get started and also has the less risk. As a farmer, for example, on the aquacultural value chain, you have those that are growing the fish, you have those that purchase the fish, and those that purchase, uh, sorry, those that give inputs, and those that purchase the produce while processing for market. So if, as a young person, if you come in on the purchasing side, in which you process for market, that will actually be better for you. And that is actually easier to start with, as against going into actual production. So I would advise the young people to go into the market side of things. As a country, we do a whole lot, a whole less processing, and we just produce for more or less internal market. So if we do a lot of um, processing right here in Nigeria to actually develop our country as well. Thank you. And Aquila? It's important um, that we understand that there's an entire vertical in the market. And that is what um, Lauren has just pointed out. Um, 
young people, it's it's actually easier to go into processing a package than it is to begin production in in a meaningful quantities. But I would also I would also point out that there are, there are other things within the culture that people can do to um, should I use let me use the word disrupt. That is something that you always hear in in uh, when it comes to unicorns or, or technology. And where I'm going is um, distribution. Distribution is a very big problem um, for for agro produce in Nigeria because of um, our amorphous um, way of, uh, of weighing of measuring um, different kind of produce like you can't get you can't even get the same kind of um, measurements in, in in different locations moving things from one location to another is a, is a big issue so um all of us all of us are from you know one community or the other from one village or the other and those places have um those places have specific crops that they are known for. It's, it's kind of a thing in Nigeria that, oh, um, in this particular place, there is um, quite a lot of this or quite a lot of that. I think we should, um, people can begin to um, tap into the insights that come off um, the, the knowledge that you have based, on, based off of what you know, where, you've, where you're from, where you've been to do arbitration. And try as much as possible to package and, and get into um, standard packaging and centralized weight like kg and grams and, and, and all that. Um, the market is beginning to be ripe uh, and they're beginning to understand and prefer cleaner and uh, more um, straightforward kind of uh, uh, packaging. So for example, you can go to the supermarket now and actually buy Gary and they'll tell you it's 500 grams or one kg, stuff like that. But why can't that be done for, for Egusi, for Obono, for Prefish, and other things in the value chain, or most of the things that we use for food? And then some other things that are gotten off agriculture that are not used for food, you understand? So those are, those, those are, the, those are the valuable um, and things that people can begin to do, even in a small scale within um, their own power within the power of their finance and the power of their resources. Um, so yeah, so people, people should actually look inward, look within the insights that they have to um, develop products um, within the agro-value chain. Thank you for that. So um, thinking ahead past COVID, what immediate changes would you like to see in the agriculture sector where stimulation of the small-scale farmers are concerned? either through government regulations, private involvement, or both? On that end, I think we should look at agriculture from the perspective of the entire value chain. What I'm looking at is demand-driven agriculture. Being able to produce, knowing that you have an exact market in mind. That is, that is key when it comes to production, because what we do as a nation, we actually have a lot of production losses when production is done. We produce well as a nation, but the problem is post-harvest always take place. But if you have someone already available as you're producing, someone is uptaken on that value chain, it makes production easier. And also um, financing for farmers, for small-scale farmers is key. 
financing and integrating them into value chains. That's, that's the, I think that's the most important thing. Integrating farmers into value chains, that's the most important thing in all of this. So without a value chain, even if you put in finance, you lose the money. Because there'll be losses, there'll be issues, but if you know, okay, I'm putting in this into this particular person or this particular farm or this particular product on the value chain, somebody else is going to take it immediately, it's done, and immediately the person finishes, it's sent to the next person, but that is the key, integrating the entire value chain for, for produce. Um, very, very, very good point. Very, very good point, Lawrence. It's very important. And um, for, for me, um, I'm going to be a bit um, um, bizarre with what I'm about to propose, uh, but I, I really think that is the future, um, or that is what we need to do in, in order to actually improve agriculture. And that is the um, um, aggregation of land um or cluster farming yes that is the, that is the word cluster farming um in in so many communities there are uh, 101 plot farms with planting so many different things pepper cassava here tomato here i believe that what we need what the government needs to do or the local government as little as the local government they need to choose a crop or two and try as much as possible to get their farmers um into that particular um crop you know um and give them the resources required to produce at optimum levels for those crops so if it's cassava that this um, particular community chooses how do we do it we all decide we are going to grow cassava the the, the people in charge go to um for example iita and get the best you know cassava stems we have an aggregation facility where all the cassava is processed and then we have we now link it to what Lawrence was talking about with off takers that are going to buy up all the processed cassava, and if it's going to go for export or they're going to go for garlic production or ethanol production, and all the farmers you know get paid per weight of what they have produced. Now, um, if you if it's it's actually very it's actually a very difficult concept um, politically to achieve, but the truth is. You cannot compare the production that, or, or the share, sharing of resources or the yields from a hundred hectares of a given crop to one plot or two plots or three plots of that same, of that same um, um, crop because um, the infrastructure that you need to, to do um, in order to produce it is fragmented all over the place. Labor is fragmented. You can't use machines because um, you're just using machines for a very small area and all that. So if uh, you know this could like get into into um, the important people's um, heads that agriculture is not meant to be done in is at a subsistence level because right now so I, I'll give you an example right now Nigeria actually produces produce the most cassava in the world but the problem is we are not making money off cassava because everybody's producing the cassava they will eat and sell. So it's, it's like really small, like there's no futuristic thinking and there's not able to be any futuristic thinking because the bulk of the people producing the cassava are poor subsistence uh, farmers in rural areas. So you need people, local government, I, I, would, I keep talking about the local government, you need local government chairmen with vision in this particular area. For example, um, a few weeks ago on Twitter, we saw massive waste of uh, mangoes in Benue. This is something that occurs every single year. 
So imagine if one person in one local government says, okay, um, this is something that we all have. Why not let's, let's do uh, mangoes in mass over hundreds of hectares, mechanized farming, um, best, uh, the best seeds. Uh, we plant this thing, we plant it, and they have a processing facility. Now, obviously, there won't be much waste, or if, the, if there's waste, it will be like maybe 5% because they already have a facility. And every that is farming that particular produce knows that he doesn't have to think about the market. There's already a ready market for him. There is already a processing facility and all that. Wow. Thank you so much, gentlemen. It's been really enlightening. So as you know, this program is called Rivers of Unicorns. And a unicorn is a startup that is valued at $1 billion or more. So here's a fun question for both of you. When you think of the unicorns that exist and their value, their core principles or their value proposition to their customers, if you could be any unicorn, which one would you be and why? I'm going to ask uh, Aquila to start. If I could be any unicorn, I would be Tesla. And, and I would be Tesla because um, I, I think they, they, they have the construct and they are now building the infrastructure to revolutionize what it means to uh, drive, basically. Uh, with, with the gigafactories and the batteries they are producing, they're not just producing cars, but they are generating a means of uh, powering the new generation of, of vehicles. And then they are going to be not just um, a car, an automaker. They'll be a maker of the parts that other automakers would use at the end of the day because they are more, most advanced in the technology of uh, batteries and all that. So um, for, for really groundbreaking uh, work in, in energy and, and in the automotive industry, I believe I'd like to be Tesla. Fabulous. And Lauren? Yeah, in my case, I'd like to be the Farmers Business Network because for me, I've, I love what it's done with data in agriculture. Um, what they have done is basically take away the guesswork from agriculture. What we do typically in Africa is there's a lot of guesswork. Kalu Kalu play here, there, test something that works, something that doesn't work. But with their technology, they've been able to take away that guesswork from agriculture and make it into science. In that, if you put in A, you're going to get B, regardless of anything that happens. So that's exactly what we are trying to achieve. I would just love to replicate what they've done and be like that. Lovely. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this interesting discussion on agriculture and all the wonderful things that can be done. So, Sotonia, the floor is yours for you to tell us the book you have decided to recommend to us today. The book is called The Four, The Hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, and it's by Scott Galloway a professor of entrepreneurship and a serial entrepreneur. Have any of you read it? I have read it. I haven't. I haven't, okay. but it seems, seems like it's going to be a, an interesting read. Yes, it is a fantastic read. Lawrence, you've read it, right? Yeah, I have. It's a fantastic read, actually. Fabulous. So here's why I'm recommending this book. The professor that he is, Galloway unpacks the connection between evolutionary anthropology and the process through which these four companies have tapped into basic instincts to become the power corporate giants that they are today. This can be really insightful for aspiring and existing entrepreneurs who need to understand how to find a balance 
between data-driven decision-making and instinct-driven decision-making. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for the opportunity. It was lovely having both of you. Thank you. Thank you for Thank having you. me.